Hey, welcome to Revive the Podcast. I'm Chad. And I'm Kate. Does your spirit need some encouraging and reviving? Did God do something amazing in your life that you want to share? Wherever you're at, you and your story matter. Tune in to hear good news from men and women of faith. These real-life testimonies will brighten your day and lift your spirits. So, come as you are. We are glad you are here. And get ready to relax, refresh, and revive. Hi friends, welcome to part four in our Easter series. We're happy that you're here and tuning in. We've got Scott coming up next. He's going to share his story about how he became Catholic with a little extra bonus on uh, how he met his wife. We think you'll enjoy. Scott Roth and I was received into the Catholic Church a few years ago. Um, I wanted to start the story from the beginning and talk a little bit about uh, how I first came to Christ and then eventually what brought me uh, to the Catholic Church. So uh, um, as a as a youngster, I went to church with my folks, um, but we went, we attended rather infrequently. <clears throat> so kind of a, um, I probably would have identified myself as a, as a Christian, but I knew nothing about the faith really. Um, my parents attended church pretty infrequently as well. I can remember times where they uh, would drop us off at church and and then come pick us up because they had other things they were doing. Um, so I grew up with pretty minimal knowledge of the faith. Um, later on, when I got older, um, you know, I went gone away to college at the University of Washington. Uh, my parents were going through a, a difficult time in their marriage, a rough patch in their marriage, and uh, they're fighting a lot and arguing. And then, man, within about a couple of years, uh, they told me that they were going to be filing for divorce, and uh, my whole world was shaken uh, because my parents gave the impression that they would be together forever. You know, they they had told each other that and they'd had it said in their mind that they would ne- they would never divorce you know and that was kind of their their uh, mindset um, so my world was absolutely shaken uh, by this divorce and I kind of went into a depression and my depression I, you know I was looking for something I knew I needed something because I just felt empty inside right and uh, that something that I was looking for was love uh, through relationship. And one of the ways that I, you know, wanted to get it was I wanted to was I wanted to have a girlfriend, right? So I had this girlfriend that I kind of really, uh, really liked, right? Really liked her a lot. And I, it's almost as if I put too much of my hope and too much of my. Um, too much stock in that relationship. I was trying to derive um, any an, an eternal t- kind of infinite kind of uh, fulfillment from something that was temporal and finite. And you know, will probably come as no uh, as no surprise here, but she was not able to 
give me everything I needed, right? Everything I needed to be happy and to be fulfilled. Because at the time, I did not have God in my life. He was not a, He was not at the center of my life. I didn't think about God. I thought about everything, you know, on this earth, all of the things in creation, and especially this girlfriend I had. Um, she was kind of the focus and um, also my hope, right? My hope for happiness. Um, and all of that was kind of increased, uh, that, that effect or that, that reliance upon my girlfriend was increased all the more, the further, the rockier my parents' marriage got, because there wasn't love there for me, right? There wasn't love, uh, between my parents that I could kind of fall back on. Um, and so I was trying to find it somewhere else. Well, uh, what ended up happening with the relationship was that um, the relationship, I I put, you know, this enormous amount of hope um, on on my girlfriend at the time, and she picked up on it. She started to pick up on the fact that, that all of my happiness was being derived from her, and she started to feel this great amount of pressure. And it started to kind of freak her out. And then she wanted to end the relationship. Well, that put me into an even deeper depression because then the, the very thing that I thought was going to give, give me my happiness and my sense of meaning and the love that I was looking for was all of a sudden gone. And so I hit, uh, you know, an incredibly low point in my life of just being very, very depressed and very despairing. I I would say that's probably the best word I can describe, uh, used to describe that time in my life is despair. Just, uh, you know, uh, dealing with really, really dark thoughts and not really being all that excited about, you know, or happy about being alive. You know, that was just a horrible, horrible uh, thing to even say, but I remember those were kind of my thoughts at the time. So, interestingly enough, it sounds like that's the end of the story because it's just you know, uh, it sounds like only bad could come from that. You know, what good could come from something like that? Well, behind the scenes, God was working on bringing me to himself. And so through the crisis of my parents' divorce and the breakup with my girlfriend, I was brought to Jesus. Um, you know, and I had kind of had a few people witnessing to me at the time. Um, actually, maybe not even so much at that time, but a few years prior. But it just didn't really... Uh, it didn't seem like something I needed at that time. But now, right, after the crisis had hit, I I needed God. I needed Jesus. I needed salvation. And it just made sense. And, and I remember uh, sitting on the couch um, in despair, but feeling like uh, God spoke to me and said, will you follow me now? Right. And I my answer was yes. Like, yes, Lord, I am. I am ready to follow you. 
um, I, I see, I, and I just felt like I could see things clearly, you know, all in that instant. It was like, I, I see what's going on. I see why I was despairing so much. I see how I put too much hope in temporal earthly things. I didn't put enough focus on God. So things started to really make sense. So that's my conversion to Christ. That's the story of my conversion to Christ. And, you know, there were some uh, things that happened right after that, right? I, I got plugged into a, a non-denominational church in Seattle, um, a church that was thriving, really popular among young people. And I met a lot of incredible, incredible young people there, made a lot of good friends, and I was really welcomed and received and um, quick, rather quickly, actually, given given a role to play, you know, at the church. I was asked to serve, and that was just a really quite an honor because it was, well, gosh, you know, I've been a Christian for for three weeks uh i don't know if i'm mature enough but they said no you are you're ready to serve you know it was it was really uh an honor so i became involved very involved in the church i would say that i was you know uh, to, to to quote a phrase you know uh, all in i would say i was all in at that time and it was wonderful you know i got a lot of good teaching um it was kind of a bible-based church um, in other words, there was a strong emphasis and strong encouragement to read the scriptures. And so I, I read most of the Bible uh, during that time period, spent a lot of time in the New Testament learning the letters that Paul had written, reading the Gospels. And of course, there was a big emphasis on, uh, you know, coming to terms with your your own sin and repenting and asking for forgiveness uh, from God. So the nuts and bolts of the faith and the foundation was was there, and I learned so, so much. Now, about three years into, uh, three years into my uh, walk with God as a Christian, <clears throat> I felt as though there was more, you know, there were trying to think how to describe this but uh there were certain things that didn't make perfect sense right there were certain elements of of the gospel that made a lot of sense but then there was there were some other things that didn't quite jive with reason as i understood it in addition to that there was this other kind of complicated thing that was going on in my mind too and that is that I knew I wanted to be married I just I have always had this dream of being married and having kids because I like kids and I just was really really interested in raising my own kids someday and having a wife and kind of living the domestic life you know living at home and that sort of thing well the biggest uh, hang-up for me was that I, I didn't see married life and particularly, like, the in intimate parts of married life uh, that, you know, didn't seem like it could, it could ever be a, a holy endeavor, right? 
especially since the culture has such uh, has degraded uh, marriage and sexuality to such a low level to where I didn't even know I had the baggage of all of that. I didn't even know that I was bringing all of that in and that, that I was viewing marriage through a corrupted modern lens, you know? And so it just didn't seem like God would ever be pleased for me to be married and have children because it just didn't seem like a holy thing to do. Well, Unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of help with that issue from the church that I was in. It's, and it's not that they didn't want to help. They did. Uh, there are a lot of people who really loved me and, and showed, showed it very well. But the tradition um, of, of that non-denominational church was lacking in the proper teaching, proper foundation to give me kind of the intellectual answer that I needed. And so what, uh, what was the answer, you know, and, and, uh, where did I kind of find that? Well, there's a teaching, uh, from John Paul II called the theology of the body series of lectures that he had given. And I was introduced by, uh, to that topic by, uh, a man named Christopher West, who's kind of popularized the theology of the body. Uh, because he's been able to deliver the message in a very easy to understand way. And when I first heard that, that when I first heard that marriage is a sacrament, um, and that it's in fact the primordial sacrament, it's a sacrament common to, to all men and women. And that it's been around, and that it's, you know, God's plan for, uh, union is inscribed into our bodies that man and women are man and woman are called to be together in relationship. It's not good for man to be alone and that, um, and that in their, their union as man and wife, the union is a, a, a free and full giving of oneself and a free and full receiving of the other, it's a uh, exchange of love that is free uh, and total and faithful, and that that exchange of love is not displeasing to God, but in fact it is a reflection um, or a tangible representation, in a way, of the inner life of the Trinity. And in the Trinity, within God Himself, there is also a fruitful, total, faithful exchange of love. You know that is life-giving. Well, the exchange of love between a a the bodies of a man and woman are fruitful, uh, literally fruitful, uh, and literally life-giving. And it all started to click oh my goodness, like I now see that, I now see the sacramentality of marriage, that it is a, that through marriage we come to understand God in a deeper way, and that that's why he made marriage. And so uh, suddenly I went, my goodness, like, okay, where did the Catholics get this? I mean, this is, this is amazing, and how, 
how does nobody know about this? Why aren't people excited about this? Why aren't more Protestants, um, you know, why don't more Protestants know about this? And what's the deal there, right? So then I, I started getting more and more interested in the Catholic faith. Um, and interesting side note, I probably should have hit this uh, topic at the beginning of the story, but, you know, I was baptized as a Catholic as a kid. My uh, grandmother's, uh, she was born here in California, but her parents, uh, you know, immigrated from Italy to this country. And they are, you know, um, Italian Roman Catholics. So we sort of have this history of Catholicism in the family, but not a strong catechesis or formation or uh, in any way was it ever articulated to me by my mom. She didn't know the faith. She wasn't practicing the faith um, as a kid, but, but I was baptized. So anyway, to kind of continue the story, that baptism had left an indelible mark on my soul and had kind of allowed for me, probably in a way that I didn't even understand, but uh, allowed for me to be open to Catholicism. You know, even though I'd kind of been told, and uh, not only told, but it's just kind of the general attitude of the Protestants is that Catholics are, they're a whole other religion. Like, they're not even, we don't really, some some of them are Christians, but, you know, it's a, it's a religion that's not, it don't, you know, don't go there. So, not definitely not easy and it's not something i was shouting from the the rooftops at the time too hey i'm looking into catholicism not something that i was all that comfortable sharing because i knew you know the attitudes um and there were you know a fair number of friendships that were lost over it not necessarily because they they swore to never talk to me again but more so that they just lost interest in talking to me, you know, and, um, that, that, that was kind of tough, you know, it's kind of hurtful, um, but it's understandable because of kind of the views they have, their view, the views are wrong, but they have, they have the, the view that, you know, the Catholic Church teaches false doctrine. Well, it turns out, you know, that my investigation and my, my looking into the Catholic Church, uh, this theology of the body was kind of the first thing to draw me in. But then when I started looking into the other teachings, that just the truth, it, it was so evidently true to me that I knew I'm going to become Catholic because I, I can just tell that these teachings are right. They, they are in accord with the scriptures. They're in accord with, with reason and they make sense, and it, it made sense to me, too, that the Catholic Church is this ship, right, that is, if, if you want to survive the tides and the storm of, you know, of modernism, progressivism, and relativism, and you're getting hit this way and that by all of these modern philosophies and that, that have not completely secular but have also kind of crept and um, slipped into theology too 
to where you can you can be a Christian and a modernist. You can be a Christian and a progressive, and or at least so we're told, right? But as a Catholic, I understood that the teachings of the Catholic Church are they're like a rock. You know, they don't they don't sway and they don't get moved around by the waves of of the modern tides, you know, so to speak. And so I knew that I needed that kind of an anchor, right? I, I'm, you know, Sola Scriptura was, was the guide as a Protestant. Uh, but when, when that's your guide, Sola Scriptura, it doesn't take a genius to realize that you're, you are your own authority for which interpretation of the scriptures you choose, right? You've got to sit down and figure out, okay, what does this scripture mean? What does this scripture mean? And you, in effect, are being your own pope, or maybe not, probably shouldn't say it that way, but you're, you are your own church. You are your own authority in determining what is true or false doctrine because you are you've got the Bible in your hands and it's up to you to decide right uh, you can decide to go to the church down the street that teaches uh, uh, election predestination imputation of righteousness etc etc or you can choose to go to the other Bible church four streets over that teaches a different doctrine and neither and, and you can't say, well, I'm going to I'm going to stick with this church over here because they have, you know, the keys of the kingdom that have been passed down from from uh, apostolic succession all the way to the present day. They can't say that because only the Catholic Church can say that. So anyway, those are some of the reasons that I became Catholic. What I was most looking forward to, of course, was um being received into the Catholic Church, being received into full communion, where I could actually receive the body and blood of Christ um, as a as a Protestant, uh, communion was symbolic. Um, there was nothing sacramental about it, and I don't want to speak for all Protestants because that would be unfair because there are some Protestants that would admit a level of sacramentality. It's not the full level of understanding that the Catholic church teaches, but, but I, I can tell you that the church that I went to and the way in which I was formed, I was told that the bread and the wine are a symbol to represent something. And that baptism is not effective, but it's a proclamation. It's a public, you know, declaration in a sense that, hey, I've given my life to Jesus, so I'm going to get baptized. That's not necessary, right? That's not the way that the Catholic Church views this. The Catholic Church views things as sacramental. Baptism is effective. It literally washes away original sin and grafts you to the body of Christ, etc., etc. Communion for Catholics is not just a symbol. It's not just a symbol that we, we do to remember something. Um, it is 
it is an actual partaking of the literal body and blood of Christ. Um, the reading of John 6 in the gospel, the scriptural evidence is there. That this was a dividing issue um, amongst Jesus, even Jesus' followers. It was scandalous to them, and especially scandalous to the people in the community. Um, so anyway, I eventually I got uh, confirmed, um, and this was... Boy, four years ago at this point, and uh, I was able to receive. Uh, well, before I was able to receive communion, I had to have my first confession. And here is another uh, sacrament that is, in some level, present in Protestantism. That is that we would confess to each other, to your friends. You know, hey, I did this. You know, and we would remind each other, we'd be like, okay, you know, thanks for confessing that. You're so brave. You know God forgives you, right? And we would remind each other that forgiveness is there, which is correct, you know, like, that's great. However, it's a little bit of an impoverished, there's more that you could receive. You can confess to one another, as, as we ought to. However... The priest is able to stand in the place of Christ in confession, and he is able, through his authority, to give you Christ's forgiveness. Literally, right? That's the sacramentality of confession. And boy, did it, did it really feel different to confess to uh, an anointed priest who had the authority to give me he stands in the place of Christ, right, and gives me Christ's forgiveness. In that first confession, it felt like my the only confession I've ever made. I confessed to my friends as a Protestant, uh, but it just didn't. It was just different. The great there wasn't the same level of grace that was that I received in that moment of my first confession. And so I just, I can, I can tell you from my own testimony that, um, and of course, in accord with church teaching that there is grace received when you receive the sacraments. And it's especially noticeable the first time, right, that you receive the sacrament. Which brings me to communion. So after I had that first confession, um, I was able to receive the body and blood of Christ for the very first time, and it was beautiful. You know, it was it was an amazing thing because it just I was I, I was made aware of the level of intimacy, or you know, intimacy or communion, however one would like to think of it. The level of communion that is possible by being Catholic. As a Protestant, I I knew I was hungering for something more, but I didn't know what it was really. You know, it's like well, what I want to be closer to God. You know, it was kind of the the feeling at the time. 
and uh, there wasn't a way, really. You know, like there were, there were ways I could get closer to God, but uh, they were they weren't the fast track. You know, it wasn't the fast track, or it wasn't it wasn't like the quickest or the most powerful way to get closer to God because I didn't have. I didn't have the sacrament of Holy Eucharist. But then, you know, as a Catholic, I received Holy Communion for the first time, and I went, this is it. Like, this is what I have been hungering for and not knowing what I was hungering for. But I realized it in that moment that that that's what it was. And so... All of these things that the church has, all of these things that the Catholic Church has, are um, they are things that that everybody needs. You know, it wouldn't be acceptable to just say, "Oh, that's just not my cup of tea." You know, like I'd rather. I think I'd rather just you know confess to to God alone and in private. It's like, well, you can and should do that as, as do and as should, uh, Catholics as well, but you need more than that. Like you're, you're, a, you're a human being in, in need of much grace and, uh, and it's there ready to be received and ready to be given to you, uh, from the Catholic church. But people are afraid. The Catholic Church is scary for a lot of people. It has all kinds of black eyes, you know, on the public public image. And I, I have to think that the devil is working hard to to use any possible excuse to not become Catholic. Any excuse. It could be anything. It could be, you know, well, what about this? What about that thing? You know, and what about the fact that Catholics do this? There's a there's a list a mile long of reasons that Satan has provided for why people uh, can't become Catholic or won't or shouldn't or whatever. And I have to think it's because, uh, you know, the devil knows that his best his best bet at keeping people um, from the love of God is to um, keep them from the sacraments, keep them from the Catholic Church. Um, so I'm very grateful that through God's providence and the prayers and love of many, many people, including many of the Protestant friends and teachers who have um, given me my initial love for Jesus, my initial conversion, uh, but all of those things have, have brought me to uh, to where I'm at today as a practicing Catholic and a happy Catholic, and um, so that, that's the story. That's, that's uh, from A to Z. Okay, so earlier uh, I talked a little bit about the theology of the body and how it had led me to a more uh, truthful and more optimistic view of marriage. I struggled with the view that marriage was an unholy thing, and then uh, uh, Catholic teaching had kind of straightened that out for me, and much to my much to my own uh, 
gratitude. In fact, I was so grateful to have the theology of the body show me what a beautiful thing marriage is and how it reflects the inner life of God. And, and so this, uh, the theology of the body, in fact, was what gave me the courage to, uh, I'd say courage and confidence and resolve or commitment to pursue marriage. Um, you know, I had kind of had these, I'd had the dream and the vision as a Protestant, but I was, it just didn't square with, I couldn't do it in good conscience because it just seemed wrong for some reason. You know, and that, well, that sounds kind of weird, but as a Catholic and after having, having studied the theology of the body, it seemed right. It's like, wow, it seems right. Like this is, this would be, this would be very pleasing to God. Um, and you know, this desire I have had to have a family and to have children of my own that I can raise with my wife, this desire is good. You know, this desire is in me, uh, to move me in the direction that God wants me to move. So that desire is the, is the, uh, the way in which God is leading me to, to his will, right? And so it was the will of God that I pursue marriage and that I have an open heart and an open mind to it, uh, because, um, rather quickly after having moved back from school in, in Washington, um, I, saw, I should say saw my wife, future wife from a distance, which is classic, you know, it's like, okay, there she, you know, saw her from a distance and, uh, you know, thought she was very beautiful and just even just kind of the way she walked and carried herself and the way she spoke to other people was attractive to me. Um, she carried herself with a lot of dignity and she was beautiful and just it out and I was I was in love uh, and so but I hadn't even talked to her yet so how's that possible right so then I hear that she is the organizer of you know some some hikes some some uh, it's a hiking group a hiking ministry and it's kind of designed for young adults right and they are going on these adventures together and and I had also gotten invited on one of these hikes by um, a friend of mine um, a male friend of mine who I had met you know maybe a few weeks earlier and so he invited me along on this hike and I got a chance to talk to her uh, to Stephanie my future wife and it was very very uh exciting for me and she was very kind uh from from the very beginning i think she i think she might have kind of been interested in me too uh because it sure seemed that way because she wanted to give me uh this rosary uh from from the holy land that had been touched uh to the to the tomb of jesus jesus's tomb so this thing was a a relic, and uh, it, it was my first rosary. 
and she gave it to me and I thought, well, gosh, like this seems like a valuable item, like something, you know, dear to you. And she wanted to give it to me. I thought, wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Right. So I actually started praying the rosary with that, that very rosary that she gave me. Well, fast forward a little bit, uh, a few months go by. I spend more time with her in kind of these, uh, on these hikes and different theology of the body groups and things. And, and then, you know, my, my interest increases all the more and her, as does hers, you know, uh, um, at least that's what I've learned since, since we've been married, she, she tells me. And so the, the, the mutual interest was growing and she was wanting me to ask her on a date, you know, an official date and kind of wondering, gosh, is, I wonder if he ever will. So maybe I, I should have done it sooner, but I eventually got enough courage to ask her on a date and we went on a hike together, of all things, took her to breakfast, went on a hike and she, uh, I had to ask her over the phone, uh, leaving a, a voicemail, because uh, I didn't get through to her, but she tells me that she had prayed, I think the night before, about the situation, you know, with me and how she wanted me to get the courage to ask her. And I want to say it was the, the next day that I she got this voicemail from me right and I was terrified I mean just so nervous I don't know why you know <laughs> but I think it's because you know I know I knew how special she was right so she calls me back and says I can't I went wow no I'm like my heart sank right I can't because my family from Spain is is in town but I would love to uh, next weekend, right? So I went, oh, whew, okay. You know, and, uh, so we scheduled the date and we went on a date, went on a hike, and, um, we started dating after that, started doing different things and taking her out to dinner and meeting her family. She met my family, things were going great. And then I decided, you know what, I should probably propose because she wants to go finish her degree in Ohio. And so uh, I proposed to her in the summer. She went away to school in Ohio for many months. I think it was like five or so months. And we had a long distance engagement, which was very trying and uh just uh, difficult, you know, and uh, just we both had so much hope and um, certainty that we'd get get through it and get to get married when she comes back. But uh, it was not not easy. But uh, she came back and we got married in the summer, and we now we have three beautiful children. Levi, who is three years old was our first uh and then dominic came along and he is almost two 
and now we have our first daughter, Victoria, and she is, oh boy, two months, right around two months, yeah, two months, and so we're, we've just been so blessed, and none of this would have been possible without the grace of God, um, especially that grace of God that comes through the sacraments, um, so I'm first and foremost grateful to God and his mercy and grateful for his bride the church and very grateful for my bride too you know who, who uh, God gave me so that's the rest of the story thanks so much Scott you're an encouragement to us and we pray God bless you and your family and um, thanks everyone for tuning in. We have one more awesome story to share with you next time, and that will wrap up the Easter series. God bless you all.